Hey guys, before today's episode of Ringer FC, wanted to tell you about a couple of our sponsors. The first one is Hotel Tonight. By showing you top-rated hotels with unsold rooms, Hotel Tonight makes it easy to book your stay at an amazing rate. And even though their name's Hotel Tonight, you can book way in advance. Perfect for spontaneous weekend getaways, three-day weekends, staycations, road trips, business trips, booking a place with a pool, and even more. So to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels, go to hoteltonight.com or download the app now. Today's show is also brought to you by Proper Cloth, the leader in men's custom shirts. Having trouble finding shirts that fit? At propercloth.com, ordering custom shirts has never been easier. Create your custom shirt by answering 10 easy questions. Shirts start at $80 and are delivered in just two weeks. Perfect fit is guaranteed. If a shirt doesn't fit, they will remake it for free. The whole process is risk-free. So, for premium quality, perfect-fitting shirts... Visit propercloth.com slash FC and use gift code FC to get $20 off your first custom shirt today. Yo, 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 Ringer FC, the Champions League is back. Ryan O'Hanlon, are you alive? I have one eye, but I'm still going to record this podcast. <laughs> Michael Peters. Are you sliding over cars while you shoot? Do you think that you're Tom Cruise? <laughs> is that Bobby Shmurda? Yeah, it is Bobby Shmurda. Anyway, we are about to talk about the Champions League fixtures that just happened. We're also going to talk about Premier League stuff. We have some talking points uh, five games into the season. We're going to introduce a new segment featuring Ryan O'Hanlon. We'll get into that later. And then do a quick roundup of Europe. But first, Liverpool 3, PSG 2, at Anfield, Bobby Firmino, the aforementioned one-eyed man. With the winner at the death, O'Hanlon, talk about the game. Here's my main takeaway (laughs) and a thing that I'm really just struggling to grapple with. Uh, Liverpool's just better than PSG, (laughs) and that's a fact. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, listen, the the Firmino finish at the death was absolutely gorgeous, but let's not overlook the fact that it really would not have happened if Kylian Mbappe wasn't trying to do a heel click just outside of his own 18 in the third minute of stoppage time. He saw his idol, Mohamed Salah, do the same thing five minutes <laughs> earlier. And after full time, Klopp puts his arm around Mbappe, consoles him softly, and whispers into his ear, Come to death row. <laughs> the news came out earlier that, I mean, I guess everybody was in for Mbappe, but Klopp. Uh, you know, was recruiting him at 17, which I guess was just two years ago. But when he started Anfield? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Ryan is so gassed right now. Actually, you know so what? Good. Quickly, though, you know what else was absolutely gorgeous? What about those PSG Air Jordan kits, the black on black? I'm not lying. With, I kind of want one. But. With the 90s Bulls kit numbers. Chef's kiss, bros. Too bad that they lost at them, but... It's, yeah, they can't wear them ever again. Yeah. 
Yeah, anyway, back to the football. Liverpool went up 2-0. Uh, PSG came back on the back of, what, a Munier goal and then Mbappe. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Firmino won it. And, Ryan, you're saying that Liverpool clearly exhibited their superiority over the course of 90 minutes. Yes. In what way? In what way specifically? I think the most impressive thing to me, uh, and you kind of pointed it out right before PSG scored rudely, is that the second half was kind of just a nothing game for the majority of it. And I think the f- that speaks to Liverpool's ability to, for the most part, shut down a game completely in a way that they haven't been able to in the past. And, you know, there was one mistake and Mbappe scored because he's Mbappe. But literally, Liverpool's winning at halftime 2-1. to one. They gave up two shots in the entire, entire second half to Neymar, Cavani, and Mbappe. Like, that's a new... Yes, the scoreline was still wild, and it was still a wild finish, but Liverpool being able to limit a team to that uh, that little around the goal, I think, is a new thing for me. Would a draw have been a fair result? Did PSG do enough you know, to come back and, and equalize? Uh... Well, I think Mounier's goal was off of a deflection on a on a looped-in cross, and then Mohamed Salah played a really uncharacter- uncharacteristically lackadaisical like square pass that, I mean, they kind of just seized on and then capitalized on. So, I mean, in that, making mistakes and being punished for them is just a way that like <laughs> it could true. happen, and then stealing the game at the last minute, I think a, I think a draw would have been a fair result. Goal. So one eye Bobby got the game winning goal, but Sturridge, Daniel Sturridge started and he scored the first goal. Is is the Sturridge comeback complete now? Is it complete? I mean, I think is, he he speaks to the depth that the team has that uh you know, a player like Sturridge who when he plays is sort of one of the best scorers in the Premier League history when he actually is on the field. Um to be able to kind of rest your star striker against PSG and still get a win against PSG um, with a backup striker in a game. I think that that's something that, you know, at the end of last season, uh, it was Dominic Solanke coming off the bench <laughs> to try to, to save the team. So Mourinho's favorite player. Yeah. He always, he always mentioned. And Fabinho, Liverpool debut last, I guess, three minutes of the game. Happy for him. Him and Klopp were, like, were hugging on the field, so that was good. <laughs> no, he has the pulse. I can't believe we breezed by backups and then bring up Chupo Motang coming on for Neymar. I mean, it was the Battle of Stoke, right? It Shakiri really and the- Chupo Motang. <laughs> <laughs> that was sad. That's a sad sign for PSG that that was their. I mean, like, summer, but summer also transfer. he was crucial in pulling that that equalizing goal. I mean, it's just because he was on the field. Just and because he was on the field, just inspired his teammates. Just inspired his teammates. <laughs> it would it wouldn't have worked any other way. I actually don't know why PSG signed him. I'm sure there's some sort of agent thing, but I'm also wondering if he's just like playing for free, and it's not counting against financial fair play, and that's how he's on the team. <laughs> 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 I mean, he's not an awful player. I mean, let's not forget he played for Schalke for, I don't know, years. So anyway, el- elsewhere in that group, Red Star Belgrade, Napoli drew nil-nil earlier today. And don't you guys love the stagger, the new staggered Champions League fixtures so that they're not all happening at the same time? 
I love it. Yeah, it makes watching them and doing other things with my day so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier today, uh, Inter Inter Milan beat Spurs two to one. Late goal at the death, uh, Matias Vecino. And Barcelona tonked PSV, predictably at camp now, 4-0. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I've, I've just really, we were talking about this a little bit off air before, Donnie, but I, I imagine that, like, trying to defend against Barcelona is, like, trying to hold back the tide and, like, that 2012 apocalypse movie, like, the, the tsunami wave that comes into New York with, like, a broom. Like, not even one with all of the bristles on it, just the, the another, stick. Another <laughs> micro pop culture reference whooshing over my head. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in that Barca PSV match, Messi had a hat trick. Dembele scored a crazy goal. That turn Ooh. was just, I, I'm going to dream about it. With his off foot, too. So, what was your pick of the, the match, of the goals? It has to be the Dembele one, right? It has to be the Dembele goal. I mean, like it was. I mean, okay, okay. Like you can you can talk about, but also just the the Messi hat trick is. I mean, like you know, he yawns on a Tuesday and gets <laughs> out of bed and 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 scores a hat trick. The Dembele goal was just from the turn to the outside of the to the outside of the box finish, looping it, curling it into the corner with his off foot which i mean like it's one of those goals that makes you wonder what the term off foot even means he's got something like 34 goals and assists with his left foot and 31 with his right foot which is insane yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> i mean i love messi's free kick cuz it was just like i'm just going to put Perfect. this yeah. in the upper corner and put no effort behind hitting it and it's going to go in but yeah dembele sort of Becoming one of the guys at Barcelona has been pretty. It's I'm not going to argue with that. Inter two, Spurs one, Tottenham in crisis. That's three consecutive losses for Pochettino's men, and the way they lost it was very, for lack of a better way to say it, Spursy. <laughs> <laughs> but it was also kind of like uh, they did not play particularly well and it, got a lucky deflection. Though. The Pochettino said after the match, it was their best performance of the season. I don't know if he was trying to uh, deflect, uh, you know, deflect negative attention. I don't understand uh, that. I, I don't get it either. It's, Harry Kane didn't have a shot this game. I mean, like it is objectively not their best. He performance should have had a shot. Team. He he had like an open net and kind of fumbled it away. Should have had a shot from the the guy that's leading your line and led the league in scoring last season is not where you want to be at in yeah. your first Champions League tie. Yeah, maybe he's just trying to send a message to Trippier and out of your old. We had this performance without you guys. Yeah, interestingly, Pochettino said before the match, or a couple days ago, that I don't think we are realistic contenders in any competition. That's my view. So, Not even the Carabao? <laughs> I mean, he said in any competition. But you mentioned, Ryan, they left Aldeverde and Kieran Trippier home. Deli Ali is hurt. Hugo Lloris is out, was out. And um, so, you know, given all the absences for Spurs, they dropped uh, their first match in the Champions League. Liverpool won. City and uh, United, of course, have yet to play. 
it seems like for uh, of the four English teams, the most on the line is for City, since that's the only thing that Pep hasn't won yet. For Liverpool, Spurs, and United, I think it's kind of interesting you hear the punditry saying that they should not be taking the Champions League as seriously as the league. Particularly for Liverpool, I think, since they made the final last year. I think Gary Neville uh, might have been the one that said that they should just forget about the Champions League. And Klopp was kind of bemused by that. Like, how do you forget about a competition? <laughs> uh, but f- which of those three, be- save, you know, like City aside, since they obviously want to win it, for Liverpool, Spurs, United, which of these three teams do you think should be taking it the most seriously or the least seriously or, or somewhere in between? Or do you think it just, you can't take something like the Champions League, not seriously? I'd side with that. What yeah, do you think, I, I think, like, by definition, you can't just forget about the, like, club soccer's premier competition. I mean, your odds of winning it may not be as high as the other English teams in, in that are also playing in it, but you can't just write it off from the first game. No. Right. I mean, interestingly, because Spurs are already six points off the pace in the Premier League, maybe they should actually now double down on the Champions League. Well, do you think, I mean, I guess it's a question of like, I don't know, it kind of seems to me like Spurs and United might end up being in a dogfight for fourth place. Yeah. Um, while Liverpool... forgot about it. Arsenal. Well, they're not in the Champions League, so they, they don't have to make that oh, uh, calculus, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> um, while Liverpool, it's... I guess it depends. You know, is the Premier League maybe a lot more of a long shot? Um, so I think it's... For for Liverpool, I mean, I think that was well, Gary Neville's I guess point. The, is down, that, the downside of the, Liverpool taking the Champions League seriously is like probably that they fall maybe fall off the pace at, in the Premier League, but don't fall out of the top four kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Liverpool. I don't know what the odds are five thirty eight style, but it's. I mean, I would say they're a virtual lock to finish in the top four. But ninety three percent right now. Okay, so ninety three percent. But the you know your chance to like actually be a you know, to win the league, it's the window is right now. And I, and I guess I can see Neville's point in that, you know, Liverpool obviously have started with five straight victories in the league. You want to keep that pace, that momentum. And, and I think at this point, the odds are better to win the Premier League than the Champions League. Yeah, I think they have a better chance of winning the Premier League just because it's more games and there's less random shit that happens. Um, But also, they spent a lot of money over the summer shoring up their team to be able to compete in both competitions. So I don't think that that's the right way to go about it. But they also made the final last year. So it's like they've been to the summit. They just, you know, they didn't win the final, obviously. But I don't know. Ryan, you would prefer the Premier League trophy, right? It's an interesting question. Uh, As a fan, yes, because I've never seen Liverpool do that. Um, but I don't know if I would like one would be more uh, fulfilling than the other to be honest with you like I would have been fucking super excited if they won last year (laughs) Um, but I think it's probably a shout out Sergio Ramos (laughs) (laughs) actually can we talk about Sergio Ramos for a second yeah yeah talk about it okay so uh, I don't know if it, well actually Ryan was telling me about this Antoine Griezmann uh, was basically set up for lack of a better word but lack of a better word to put it 
Um, he said that he was at the top, quote unquote, like dining at the same table as Messi and Ronaldo. And he said, yeah, I think so. And then Sergio Ramos clapped back there at a news conference ahead of uh, their Champions League opener against Roma and said, ignorance makes you very bold. When I hear this guy talk, I think of the likes of Tati, Buffon, Maldini, Raul, Xavi, Iniesta, Iker, Casillas. They've won a lot of titles at home. None of them won a Ballon d'Or. Everyone's free to give their opinion. He needs to be advised by Diego Simeone, Godin, Coke, and players like this to get back to the values that suit them. (laughs) So... In just, you know, stamping down Antoine Griezmann, he also just Tati, Buffon, Maldini, like all those players got strays, caught strays. So, I mean, like... Stamping down on the pitch and verbally off the pitch, Ramos. (laughs) What a fucking king. Perfect villain. Perfect villain. He is a perfect villain. Uh, Elsewhere, quickly, Champions League results. Actually, I'm not going to go through all of them, but notably Christian Pulisic, Pulisic... Scored the winner for Dortmund over incredible uh, finish. I didn't even see it. It was in the eighty fifth. Well, it was a it Someone was a failed clearance, it and, and it went off his knee. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're being you're being sarcastic. Yes. Relatedly, Schalke and Porto won one. Uh, not that impressive. Weston McKinney played full ninety. So tomorrow, more Champions League. United's playing Valencia, Juventus, Madrid, and Roma. Uh. Bayern Munich, Benfica, Manchester City, Lyon. You can just look up the schedule. But the Champions League is back. We're all happy about that. By the way, Micah or Ryan, I know Ryan doesn't really play FIFA. Micah, did you download the Champions Did you? <laughs> well, yeah, because you're such a purist. You know what? I like to know what teams I'm playing with. <laughs> did you, uh, <laughs> Merseyside Red? Did you Did you download the FIFA 19 demo, which just came out this week? I did. I did download it. What, what do you think of it? I downloaded it, too. I played a Champions League match, actually. Liverpool's not in the demo for some reason, so I played PSG versus Unite. Oh, no, PSG versus Spurs. Uh, I think that the impact shooting thing, uh, like the like kind of like the active reloading gears of war or whatever, is just gonna ma- is gonna mess up my entire playing style. <laughs> <laughs> also, like it's I it's a it's a ridiculous gripe to have, but that the physics continue to get more realistic always mm-hmm. frustrates me because I'm just like I'm I'm I am reminded of my limitations as a player when I play in real life <laughs> like I like I come here to 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 not do that like I don't right. want players to be messing up random like random touches and not being able to bring a ball down in space yeah he likes right. to play the 80 yard diagonal ball with any player and have it <laughs> land right on a guy's foot by, by the way guys there's definitely a Micah Donnie twitch rematch coming soon I mean, it's your world, squirrel. Dead, 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 si- dead silence. <laughs> it's your world. Ryan, you know, the FIFA 19, every year when the ratings come out, it always makes big news. I saw that Virgil van Dijk of your Liverpool is only has one point higher overall than Socrates, the <laughs> defender for Arsenal. That's why I don't play FIFA. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Would you guys like to wager a guess at who, which defender in the Premier League has the top overall rating? I'll say uh, Toby Aldevierald. Mm. Incorrect. Micah. Bench warmer on Tottenham. Hmm. Top rated defender in the Premier League. Uh, 
All right, it's Jan Vertogen. It's Jan Vertogen? Ah, I was close. Seriously? Yeah, you were close. I was going to say close, but I wanted Micah to just struggle. Yeah, well, you know what? It's funny because he's uh, not as good as Alderweireld, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Ryan fucking loves Alderweireld for some reason. <laughs> really loves Alderweireld. Good ball playing center back. <laughs> I don't think he's Tidy that good haircut. ball playing, though. Anyway, let, that's a good pivot here to the Premier League. Where, of course, the most oft-repeated stat I heard this week, first time in 110 years in the English top flight that two teams have started 5 for 5. That's, of course, Ryan's Liverpool. And actually, technically at the top of the league on goal difference is Chelsea. Would have been three, but, you know. What, Watford? (laughs) (laughs) So the question I have for you guys is... Man United is now a spoiler for Watford. That's their new role. (laughs) Uh, Nobody, tell me if you had had that on your bingo cards. (laughs) I have two questions for you guys. First of all, which of the two teams have been... Have had has had a more impressive start. Just to remind you guys, Chelsea have Chelsea have won at Huddersfield against Arsenal at Newcastle, Bournemouth and Cardiff City over the weekend, and Liverpool have beaten West Ham at Palace, Brighton at Leicester, and at Wembley against Spurs over the weekend. So, who do you think has had a more impressive start, and who do you think will drop points first? Um, I mean, like in terms of competition, I. I guess I'd say it's like in terms of the teams they've actually beaten, I guess I would say it's Liverpool, but like narrowly. But I think that the thing that has been most impressive to me is how enjoyable it's been to watch Chelsea play versus how like there was just no air at Stamford Bridge and it was joyless last season, which I mean, like I wasn't necessarily complaining about like I, you know, whatever I've my allegiances are well known, but at the same time, it's just like with sorry showing up has really actually transformed the team. Like watching them play against Cardiff, I was actually getting frustrated because I was just like, this is so much fun to watch. Ryan, I know you're biased, but sorry ball or gang impressing? I'm going to go with gang impressing. I think I am really impressed by uh, how quickly sorry has transformed this team and not like. I think with a lot of these transitions, when you go from like drastically different managers, you see the teams really struggle, and they've kind of obviously they haven't struggled at all because they're undefeated. But I think they're, you know, you look at the numbers. Uh, Liverpool has more expected goals, fewer expected goals allowed. I think Liverpool, XG confetti. There we go. Uh, <laughs> I think Liverpool's win over Tottenham was more impressive than any of Chelsea's wins so far. Um, That's fair. And I like you know we've talked about the. The win over Arsenal raised a lot of questions I have about Chelsea's defense, um, right. and I I think Arsenal should have won that game. Agreed, and I think Chelsea's sort of defense is the old Liverpool defense of just have the ball the entire game, so your other team can't attack. But when they actually lose the ball, they've been pretty vulnerable. So that's kind of the the next step I think for Chelsea and Liverpool is kind of more of a closer closer to a finished product. I think. Interestingly. Uh, Chelsea and Liverpool are actually playing each other uh, in close proximity in the next few weeks, once in the Carabao Cup, that's at Anfield, and then in the league. Uh, uh, should be Neil Hattrick. It's, it's actually back-to-back, which oh. should be interesting. And then Liverpool plays Napoli right after. Yeah, Liverpool's in the next couple weeks are, are rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- these Champions League, I mean, if there's, and we're talking about like, forgetting about competitions I think like the Carabao Cup probably I mean I know 
you know, uh, trophy merchant chiming in here that <laughs> the, the, the stick that I often, and many people beat Klopp with is no trophies. So maybe they shouldn't forget about the Carabao Cup, but, it, you know, relative to the others, that seems like something that they shouldn't really uh, be too focused on, right? Y'all should come out of this season with one piece of hardware at least. Uh-oh, Micah oh, is a trophy merchant. Yeah, one. I'm just saying. I guess Jose Mourinho had that effect on you. You got to punt the Carabao. I mean, you put in Power Cube and Fabinho and Solanke and see what happens. But yeah, you, you, I mean, it's actually kind of a silver lining here being matched up with Chelsea in th this early on because if you lose, it's not like a total embarrassment. You're not losing to fucking Brentford or something, you know? That's true. It'll be it'll be interesting. Super weird to see kind of how both teams uh, go about it, considering they're going to play in a more important game. Four days Soon later, after. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I'm in, I'm psyched for that game. I think stylistically, Liverpool's probably not a great matchup for Chelsea. Would be my spit take immediately. Well, yeah, I mean, like because like you were saying, as soon as they lose possession, it's you know David thousand Louise. miles an hour. Yeah, and then it's David <laughs> Louise and Marcos Alonso trying Rudiger. to stop yeah. the law. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that Premier League matchup is actually in two weeks, September 29th. So yep. I actually had written on here who's going to drop points first. And it's obviously it has to happen on that day. So we'll find out. Could be both. Yeah, it could be both. Could be a 5-5 draw. <laughs> we can only hope. But drilling down a little bit on Chelsea, uh, Eden Hazard is the talk of the town or the talk of the league uh, at the start of this season. Sorry, said before he arrived at Chelsea that he thought Hazard might be the best player in the Premier League. Now he thinks he might be the best player in all of Europe, word to Antoine Griezmann, and that he might be capable of scoring 40 goals. So far, he has five goals, five league appearances, two penalties, we should mention. Uh, but now he's kind of, you know, is he this year's Mo Salah? Hmm. I think he's this year's Dries Mertens. I think it's, I, I think that the you forget that like sorry kind of transformed Burton's into a goal scorer like when he was one year older than Hazard is now and the last time that Hazard scored 20 goals in a season was his last season at Lee so with him and like Giroud kind of like laying the ball off I guess against Cardiff it looked like it was flowing like really well and like creating like little tiny spaces for him to exploit but it was also against Cardiff so maybe not in the world maybe slow down on that but he said Europe not the world yeah okay I mean the still Europe slow is down, the though. world yeah, still <laughs> slow down though. yeah Joseph Martinez we're forgetting <laughs> <laughs> shout out Atlanta United <laughs> I think uh well that was kind of like what Micah said that was kind of what some people were theorizing that he'd become the Mertens um, or like the Insigne. And he had, like, uh, the thing I've always said about... He's, be he's better than both of them, though, let's be real. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. But he's never scored anywhere near the goals that Mertens has had scored over the past couple seasons, or at least But he's the been one managed season. by Mourinho and Exactly. Conte. So it's tough, yeah. and that's kind of been his, the stick you could beat him with in that right. he's never scored more than, like, 16 goals in a season. Um, but, you know, you look at the numbers, and... Averaging over four shots a game has never been over 2.6 before. More key passes than he's ever averaged before. So 
I don't think, you know, he's not the best player in Europe, but and he's good at basically everything other than scoring, essentially. So mm-hmm. if he's just getting as many shots as this, I think it it does vault him into another tier of player, I would say, because he's so good at kind of progressing the ball and dribbling past people that if he right. can also have an end product, it's watch the fuck out. <laughs> you know, my, my, Michael mentioned earlier being kind of conflicted watching Chelsea dismantle Cardiff City at how entertaining they were. Hazard to me would have to be near the top if we did, you know, we as the ringer do the soccer watchability rankings for teams. But if we were going to do individual players in the Premier League, he has to be, to me, up there, number one, maybe. Just because of how dynamic he is with the ball and the way he goes at defenders. What would you guys say? Who would be at the top of your player watchability rankings? Ozil. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck off! Ozo actually likes watching Hazard do stuff. At the (laughs) at the top of mine, like, are are we talking just like Premier League over? Because it would be. I just love watching Riyad Mahrez. Cantona has to be active Premier League players. I'm saying no. I love. I love watching Riyad Mahrez take players on. Just because it's, it's. like this kind of slow mo languid thing that I really enjoy. Yeah, he'll probably play about eighty minutes. All yeah, year. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, James Milner. <laughs> no, I uh, I think it, it might be Hazard because Stuart he's, Pierce is that you? <laughs> he's so unique. I uh, I still love watching Pogba. It's just a totally different experience to watching any other player. Basically, oh, I really right. like that one, like. Anthony Martial aside, like his his confidence is, seems like it's like way 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 down. He didn't run at anybody like all afternoon, but that Who, one. Pogba? No, 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 Martial. Oh. But Pogba played is this one favorite? like sixty five yard driven ball across the across the field on a dime, and it's just like his the the. The passes that are like within his range to hit like directly is absurd. Yeah, the le- leagues aren't one on Twitter gifts though, bro. I, listen, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'll give a shout to uh, David Silva. Yeah, yeah, he's up there. He's up there. I mean, the city team overall. What can you say? So over under on Sari's prediction of 40 goals for Hazard in all competitions this season. Under. Um, Unless he takes the Carabao Cup seriously. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Giroud. I think Giroud, Giroud now and uh, Hazard have this kind of Giroud-Griezmann type relationship the way they're so successful uh, for the French national team. And clearly Hazard likes playing with Giroud. He's met, said after the Cardiff City game, he's a target man, maybe the best in the world. When he gets the ball, he can hold the ball and we can go with him in deep. It's a pleasure to play with him. When Alvaro was playing, it's different as he's a different player but both are quality, so we are happy to have both. If you read between the lines there, Murata. It's kind of like how he he just realized halfway through that quote that, oh, right, we spent 58 <laughs> million pounds on this striker yeah. last yeah, season. He tried, he tried to recover it at the end. Uh, They're both quality. They're both quality. <laughs> I mean, Ryan, do you think Murata's days are numbered at Chelsea? I mean, I think Sarri has been very diplomatic, and Chelsea also of course, are in the Europa League and other competitions. So Murat is certainly going to play. But it seems like Chelsea play better with Giroud. He does not He does not seem like the uh, archetypal Sarri player in that, like, all of Sarri's players are sort of 
non-specialists and they're involved in every facet of the game, basically. And you're talking about Giroud or Murata. Murata, right? Murata is right. just a guy that just gets a ton of shots off and is really not. He's not involved in build-up play really at all. And Giroud is almost built built into build-up play to a fault <laughs> at times. Um, and you know he's younger has a big, probably a big transfer fee attached to him too if Chelsea want to move on and it kind of doesn't make sense to... It's kind of a nice, I guess, change of pace backup, you know, with with Giroud, depending if Chelsea's ever playing on the back foot, kind of, but it's... I don't think Sarri's ever going to try to play like that. So, yeah, I I still think Murata has a pretty good career ahead of him, um, but it, it doesn't seem like the right fit with Sarri, and Sarri seems to be doing well, so... You know, yeah. the days are numbered, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of uh, players getting along, not getting along, couldn't help but notice your boys, Ryan, Sadio Mane and Mo Salah. Of course, Liverpool won today. They also won uh, at Wembley over Spurs over the weekend. But there was kind of a spotlight or a magnifying glass put on the relationship between Mane and Salah and and their lack of chemistry um, a lot of times, and not to be the body language doctor, but Salah r- throwing his hands up in disgust and not getting the ball. Fans even speculating that th- the two guys don't like each other, or that Mane is jealous of Salah's, uh, the attention that Salah gets. Egyptian fans, of course, fans of Salah, have been attacking Mane on social media. <laughs> is this a molehill, a mountain? Nothing to talk about. Something that we should probably just ignore. I noticed it today too, though. I mean, so, no, I, mean, I think every, that it's every no, striker no, no, is no, going to no, throw no, up no, his no, hands no. when he doesn't get the ball. Every single, every single striker. If you are like in an advanced goal scoring position, if you feel like you are, and somebody takes a shot instead of passing it to you, you're going to be a little pissed. But like. Are you guys throwing up your hands when I was saying that? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, yes. I didn't have my headphones on, so I couldn't hear. <laughs> no, nah, man, I'm not, I'm not digging into this. You don't have enough space in your brain to hold that in, in a, when you're in a game. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, I personally don't think that Mane is thinking during a counterattack, should I pass it to Salah? No, fuck that guy. I hate him. I'm going to shoot. I mean, there's maybe a tiny, like, Salah just signed a new deal and Mane's waiting for his new deal and like yep. if he scores a couple extra goals it's gonna maybe add a little bit to his contract or something like yep. that um, but I don't I'm it's, it's not an issue is what you're saying basically no and even if they actually did hate each other I don't even think it would matter yeah I'm just trying to pierce some holes in this feel good Liverpool campaign so far so I'm glad that me. that's where we're already at with Liverpool it's like <laughs> we need to do the body language thing drum up some controversy <laughs> Uh, so we just talked about Hazard, who's a player who gets chopped down a lot and fouled over the weekend. This was a big story. Uh, so Hazard is the most fouled player in the Premier League for over the last five seasons. Who do you think is number two? Willie Zaha. Wilf. Wilf Zaha was uh, in the news because after the match against Huddersfield, which Palace won 1-0 on a Zaha goal, he complained quite bitterly about what he perceives as overly rough treatment from opponents 
defenders. He said, quote, I've tried to speak to referees. There's nothing I can do anymore. I feel like I'd have to get my leg broken for anyone to get a card. That's why I lose my head. Why am I getting different treatment from other players? He went on to say that he actually, it runs through his head when he's about to make a run now that he he's going to get chopped down and, you know, like, it, he, you know, the other player won't get punished for it. Uh, Crystal Palace, his team have formally contacted the league about Zah. So does he have a point about all this getting targeted? Did he do the right thing? Isn't it a sign of respect that he's getting fouled so much? And what really can be done about it? I think he definitely has a point. I yeah. mean, he's definitely getting targeted because he's an incredibly gifted dribbler. But the other side of this is that he basically tries to dribble past people more than any player in the league. So The like, ball's at his feet a lot. Yes. When he, and <laughs> yeah. Crystal Palace certainly, like, force-feeds him the ball and then relies on him to move the ball up the field. So I think there's just, like, the fact of the matter where the more you dribble, the more you're going to get fouled. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely a numbers game. But at the same time, having... Like I mean, you know, you've you've played, and it's yes. if you're the if you're the kid with the shiny cleats that is doing one too many <laughs> stepovers, somebody's gonna hack you. Like, and it's and <laughs> you're gonna be and you're gonna be <laughs> wild upset. Yeah. Wait, you were the hacker or the hacky? No, I was the hacky. And Ryan, you were the hacker. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish I probably would be dead if I was a hacky based on my body type. <laughs> but speaking, you know, drawing on your own playing experience, though, like if. Well, actually, obviously, you know, you guys didn't really have maybe nationally televised post game <laughs> interviews to react to. But yeah. if, if you know, if you know, if a player is basically saying, "This is getting in my head," I mean, that's going to make you actually tackle him more, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Meaning, like the defenders are going to hear that and be like, "Fresh meat." Well, yeah, I wouldn't say it's exactly bulletin board material, and clearly it's been happening already, but it's not going to help anything. And, and of course, you know, Zaha is speaking moments after the match. And first of all, the goal he scored against Huddersfield was fucking amazing. And he basically, it was after getting fouled really badly. So it was very defiant, his reaction and celebration. That's how he has to react. But coming off the match, giving that interview... Now people are going to be looking more closely at him, diving possibly, going to ground too easily, crying, etc. I mean, I don't know if it helps. I mean, Neymar hasn't come out and said anything like this, has he? I mean, every game with Neymar is a protest against the physicality of defenders, basically, right? Yeah. I mean, it sucks. Like, it's awesome watching Zaha play because it's such a kind of unique, aggressive style, and it would suck if he just out of self-preservation had to try to stop but it's also like i mean i guess what do you just start giving out red cards more often um yeah i mean that's what i think what he wants players to get i mean he said i'm gonna have to get my leg broken to have somebody sent off is it because he plays for a smaller team as well possibly i mean but it's also dependent on him yeah i mean like it's it's what what i was saying before is that like crystal palace disproportionately relies on him to advance the ball of the field and if that's going to happen then this is going to keep happening I don't know what the proper reaction to that is. His reaction just was what it was. And I right. I can't say what, you know, that if, if it'll be like a blood in the water type thing, I don't necessarily, because I don't think anything changes the way that Crystal Palace plays. Yeah. Right. So. Right. The fact of the matter is Palace famously have not won a game without Zaha 
I think it's 12 matches now, 11 matches. He just he missed last week or the last round of fixtures, came back, and they won. So they are super reliant on him, clearly. I guess this will just be a continuing, ongoing story. But overall, I mean, for me, I actually appreciate those full-blooded challenges. But I don't want to see skilled players get hurt. So uh, I guess I'm kind of conflicted a little bit. That's I just yeah, that's how I feel. I think there that's the whole point of a referee. You have to kind of find the balance between allowing a little bit of physicality, but also protecting the players and preserving kind of the stuff that everyone watches the sport for. Yeah. Final note on that actually, it just made me think. You know, NBA famously, when you talk about referees or refereeing, you talk about the star system and star players getting calls and things of that nature. I mean, that has to exist at least subconsciously in, in football as well, right? You would think, but it's really kind of tough to tell because star players are on the best team, so they have the ball ball more often, so they naturally just get fouled more often, you would think. So, like, how do you even know? In, in, in football and in soccer. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the most fouled players right now. Ganduzi's fourth. When are you going to call for uh, <laughs> call for some protection <laughs> from Mateo? <laughs> the most fouled or the most, most committed fouled. the most fouls? Fourth most fouled. Because oh, I, I know, I know, I heard that Will Hughes is up there. James yep. Madison. Yep, those guys are at the top. With uh, yeah. I mean, it's just because they have. The, it's like you said. It's you, when you have the ball a lot, you're going to get kicked a lot, and all of those guys have the ball a lot. Gwendozi just is always on the ball when he's on the pitch. So anyway, we'll keep an eye on Zaha. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't get injured. Before we move on, we'd be remiss. Without giving a shout out to Pierre Pierre Emil Hoiberg of Southampton <laughs> for scoring yesterday on uh, Monday the longest distance goal scored thus far in the Premier League season, a thunder bastard, thirty six yards. According to Sky Sports, the ball reached seventy one miles per hour. Did you guys see this goal, and what was your reaction? Because I thought it was fucking stunning. Uh, you know, I. It was kind of like the fan self thing. It was, I mean, like he had, he was all, he had ample amounts of space and having him be able to set it up and look at it and then hit like a daisy cutter, like right along the ground. It's, I'm glad you said daisy cutter because I, I, you know, like a lot of times people look at the upper 90 goals, top corner as like the real Thunder Bastards, but I, the, those like, da- it wasn't exactly a daisy cutter. I mean, it was about shin height, I guess, but I like those better. Yeah, it moved, it, like it skipped once right before it went in, but it was still moving like, ugh. My first thought was, what's the XG on that? <laughs> God. I love how he just kind of like killed the ball dead though and st- I mean, in slow-mo, obviously, it's slow-mo, but it seemed like he had forever to wind up and kick it. So I mean, he took a step backwards to get a two-step run-up. I yeah. love that. <laughs> it should have counted for two. <laughs> <laughs> also, quick shout-out to Ryan Frazier of Bournemouth. We talked about David Brooks back when Ryan made a New York Times joke that went over my head. But Ryan Frazier is on fire. Four goals, six games. Uh, of course, Bournemouth are doing quite well. And I think, actually... Shakiri is called Power Cube, but I think Ryan Frazier should be called Power Cube. He's more of a power cube. How do you cube. feel about that, Ryan? He's 5'4", 150 pounds, and he actually plays. I feel like Shakiri's like 200 pounds, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
Shakiri could he buttoned he the top button on his shirt today, and it looked like he was his head was going to explode because no air was going to his head because his neck is so big. But I'm I, way, I'm looking forward to the battle of the power cubes when Boardmouth and Liverpool face off. That can that can by, decide the title. By the way, you could afford fifteen Ryan Frazier's for one Mesut Ozil. Would anyone want that? anyway on that note we're going to take a quick break here and when we come back we're going to get into a new segment and also take a tour of Europe back in a sec before we get back to today's Ringer FC I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lisa do you find yourself distracted forgetting things making mistakes at work quality night's sleep makes all the difference and the right mattress is the difference between resting and just laying down the Lisa mattress is the product of more than 30 years of experience in mattress engineering and hundreds of hours of testing. Comprised of three foam layers that provide cooling pressure relief, body contouring, and support, over 300,000 happy Lisa sleepers agree that Lisa mattress gives them the rest that they need. Or your Lisa mattress online at lisa.com FC with promo code FC and try it risk-free for 100 nights. The Lisa mattress ships direct to your door in a convenient box with free shipping and free returns. Find the right mattress for you at lisa.com slash FC and get the rest you need tonight. Get up to $160 off the Lisa mattress or $235 off the luxury Sapira mattress and free shipping on the Lisa mattress at lisa.com slash FC and enter promo code FC at checkout. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash FC, promo code FC. All right, on to the second section, part two. We're back, and we have a new segment in honor of Ryan XG O'Hanlon. In previous episodes, we've talked a little bit about tactics and stats, and it seems like listeners are into that. So I thought it'd be a good idea to have something called Ryan O'Hanlon's Stat O the Week. And this week, for this episode, actually, it's kind of related to an excellent piece that Ryan wrote about the Ajax prodigy. What's his name? Frankie De Jong. Frankie, with an E. Frankie. Frankie. Frankie De Jong. It's a silent J, right? Yes. Like Nigel De Jong, right? Yeah, so Frankie very, very De Jong. similar player. <laughs> <laughs> the little terrier that uh, plays, what, in defense for Ajax. Yeah, defense and midfield depending on the game. In his piece about FDJ, we'll call him, uh, Ryan brings up a stat called packing. What is packing? Yes, packing is actually a, I think in the analytics community, this is actually a controversial statistic, but I like it because it is a very easy statistic to understand and it portrays a very important idea with soccer and kind of a, a trend that is growing in the game and packing basically they count up how many players either a pass or a dribble is eliminated from a play with each play and it adds it up to each team so if you're center back you pass it through the midfield to a striker that could be you know six points of packing basically because you took six players out of the play or like um, if Ederson hits the ball 80 yards yeah. to Aguero, that's like... So, like, same thing as, like, center midfielder exploits a half space between a fullback and a center back. Yep. Hits the winger, takes one player out of the ball. Yeah, okay. exactly. And uh, the whole kind of thing about Frankie de Jong, he 
is probably going to be a defensive midfielder uh, ultimately. But Wait, is he playing center back now? Right. He plays center back right, and in, mid- midfield in a, he, uh, in a sort of traditional Dutch system in a back four. But last year he played center back and basically you should go watch the highlights. They're in the piece. He gets the ball on a goal kick, basically, and puts his head down and just starts running full speed up the field, just like directly through the strikers <laughs> and with his head down through the midfielders. And it's kind, kind of, of like of, what like eight year olds do, yes. you know, when they're like the best eight year old on the pitch. Exactly, but it like he's such a good dribbler. He's I don't know the, this I don't know what the exact number is, but he's lost the ball trying to dribble like ten times in the past two seasons, and so like either teams don't react to it and the guy just takes the ball up the field himself and then has the entire defense in front of him and would be awarded a ton of packing uh, points for that. Or, like, the midfield has to worry about him and they collapse on him when he's dribbling and then he just drops the ball up to another midfielder who's now wide open because the opposing midfield is worried about this center back bombing up the field and the defense has to stay back because the attackers are still up the field. So the premise of the idea is it kind of gives players value for moving the ball up the field, which I think is just becoming a, it's an obvious trend, but it's becoming sort of a thing that teams are just doing more clearly where they focus less on kind of the horizontal passing and they try to just move the ball up the field as quickly as they can. And this stat is one of the ways that we can kind of quantify the players that best that are best at it. And it seems, you know, it's kind of like roughly akin to like rushing yards or passing yards, mm-hmm. you know. In, in American football. Yeah. So passing point, pack, sorry, packing points are accrued by dribbling past or passing through opponents and killing them, basically. Yeah, and at completing a pass or a dribble, and then there are players behind you and however many players are behind you. So it seems kind of complicated to kind of just attribute a number metric to this, right? You just basically look at how players are ranked based on this metric? Yeah, you just, you're literally it? just counting the number of uh, defenders bypassed or, atta- or players bypassed. And, like, obviously a contextless number means basically nothing. Um, right. So you have to kind of look at the comparison. And then the other thing that they take into account is specifically bypass defenders because, obviously, if you bypass a defender, there's only a goalkeeper. And that, that specific stat kind of has the most... Um, the more defenders you bypass, the more likely you are to win. Um, that that's kind of that one has the closest sort of correlation with the overall success of a team. So is it kind of like a per ninety stat? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it okay? So based on that packing stats, who are the best? Uh, what do you call them? Packers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the the kind of like term that's being accepted is like progressive passers or progressive dribblers um who are the best progressive passers or dribblers in uh i guess europe or england or wherever they're keeping it i think the one that kind of stood out to me is james rodriguez uh i'm I'm so glad you didn't say ozil (laughs) (laughs) well ozil is rates extremely well in this stat unfortunately um unfortunately for you uh (laughs) but also fortunately for you because he's on your team um (laughs) James Rodriguez is a prime example because he's kind of a player that used to be sort of a number 10 attacking midfielder and he's dropped back into the midfield and he sort of has the creative passing ability, but maybe he's not slipping forwards in on goal. Instead, he's sort of taking eight players out of the play with a single pass and it kind of um, 
is a way of kind of quantifying what Hamas does well if his sort of top level, you know, passing or or a straight up assist or goal numbers um, maybe drop off because he's playing a more withdrawn role. Right. So the deeper the deeper you pick up the ball or you have the ball, the higher your number will most likely be, right? Because there's more defenders behind you. Yeah, I think... In, in front of you. Yeah, and that's why I kind of also just looking at defenders in particular is also an interesting thing. But I, I think it was this was a useful stat during the World Cup in the sense of basically every Germany game where they absolutely dominated possession, but then in almost every game, they, as far as defenders bypassed, they actually... I think trailed in two of three games and were basically even in the other. So it's kind of a, a nice way of defining um, dangerous and actually effective possession as opposed to just looking right. at a percentage number and not having really any idea what it means. Thinking of Spain, Russia as well. Yep, that was another good so, one. So why you mentioned that it's kind of a controversial stat or a polarizing one. Why is that so? Because it's kind of... Uh, it's a, this company impact it just created the stat and they're kind of creating the number. Um, they're just looking at the number and then reporting it basically. So it's, you, right. It, it's kind of a, it's a, almost a too simple, uh, number I think for some people, but I think the concept is, it's just clear and it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And it's a way that I think a problem with a lot of these stats or not a lot of these stats, I shouldn't say that, but with stats is that they don't, apply to the way that coaches talk about soccer a lot of the time. But, like, you hear coaches talk about breaking the lines all the time, mm -hmm. you know, whether that's breaking past the strikers, breaking up through the midfield, and then breaking through the back line. And that's that's what this number um, aims to do, at least. Packing. Yep. That's our stat of the week. <laughs> Tune in next week for... Uh, for who knows? <laughs> we, we, we need a sponsor for this segment. So if you're, if you're listening Opta, and you have the wherewithal. Impact, if you want to. <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of like Trojan or something. <laughs> or, or it could be like UPS packing. That would be great. Yes. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> hit us up, UPS. Oh, yeah, hit us up. <laughs> All right, let's go around Europe real quick. Um all I can say about Europe right now is that Ronaldo has scored and uh, Douglas <laughs> finally Costa, off the mark. Douglas Costa spit. I shouldn't be laughing, but Douglas Costa spit in this dude's mouth from Susulo, Federico De Francesco. Uh, I think some racism was claimed. It's unclear. Francesco denied. De Francesco denied it, but it's kind of rare to have a spitting incident captured that vividly. That you know, like usually some when there's like some kind of incident between two players, you know, it could be like a, you know, especially for a spitting, it might, you know, have not the clearest angle to see what happened, but wow. Costa literally was like a foot away from his face and spit in his mouth. It was crazy. Did you guys see it? Yes. Uh, yeah. Tough to do that yeah. when uh, VAR is, is a thing yeah. in your league. <laughs> right. Yeah. He got a four match ban, which I think is, you know, pretty lenient actually, given what because moments I mean, before he had elbowed the dude in the face. I mean, I love Douglas Costa right in yeah. front of the ref, right too. in front of the ref. And somehow didn't get red card. <laughs> yeah, Di Francesco, like that. Pe people were pulling up a clip of him, uh, like you know, doing kind a Nazi of salute or well, something. Pulling, doing a Nazi salute, and also leading with his forearm on a turn. Um, oh, from that game. Yeah, from that game. I which 
you know, it probably wasn't completely unprovoked, but spitting in somebody's mouth is a choice. I know. I mean, Certainly. DeFrancesco, to his credit, maybe, I mean, it's not to his credit, but he didn't really go crazy or react or anything. He just kind of like was like, hey, what the fuck did you just do? Like looking at the ref, I guess. He's used to, apparently, his mouth spit into, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, for CR7, I saw it on Twitter. It took him four games and 28 shots to score his first goal in La Liga last season. And it took him exactly four games and 28 shots to open his Juventus account in Serie A this season. So, you know, back to our regularly scheduled programming. Everything's fine. Yeah, I mean, like... I would say so. Yeah. A <laughs> uh, nice little Vandersnitch to get things started. And then, uh, and then a tidy finish from the left side of the box where he scores a lot of goals from. So, are you guys, you know, are you guys making Juve matches now kind of must watch? I mean, has Ronaldo done that for you more so than maybe? I mean, I mean, a lot of people watch Juve, but have you guys been keeping up? I have, but it's like Syria is. I mean, granted, they only have a three-point lead, but it's like Napoli does not look great. None of these other teams have stepped up at all. So it's like, in my mind, like when I really think about it, Serie A is already over, you know? Yeah. So like, I don't know if the Ronaldo effect is going to have me watching Serie A games in February. Speaking of, did you you guys see the news that Serie B might literally be over? That they kind of canceled the season? Well, I knew that they... A couple teams couldn't like dissolve basically, and then they decided to just have like a 19 team season, which is bizarre. A couple of teams dissolved, or that, or like they went into administration. They like literally disbanded three teams. I mean, the court, the Italian courts have suspended the league. I mean, I guess by the time you listen to this, maybe things will clear up because I I can't imagine they're just going to cancel the whole season from here on out. But yeah, Serie B is in some legal. There's like a legal snafu going on. Anyway. Let's hope that uh, Serie B actually happens. That would be not good for European soccer if the second division, one of the biggest leagues in the world, just fell apart completely. Yeah. yeah. But there's a Serie C still playing, so. <laughs> Look at the bright side. <laughs> Ryan, tell me what we should know about Ormica in Spain, besides Barca and Real. Or maybe including them. I think uh, well, CD Huesca moved up pretty high in our watchability rankings, didn't they? They did. Um, I think we need to know about Atletico Madrid, who have five points in four games and don't really look that good after beating Real Madrid 4-2 in the Super Cup. And yeah, it's we, almost like it means nothing. <laughs> Simeone out? I think it's just... They've actually, if you look at the players they have, they've actually, like, the roster has changed a lot over the past two years. So I think it's probably more, if I had to guess, it's kind of a growing pains situation and trying to work everyone into his system. He's sort of chopped and skewed his midfield basically every game. Um, And Griezmann, the, you know, best player in the world, is the only (laughs) ever present. Um but, like, you know, it's Barca and Real. They're already seven points back of the top, I think. And that's, like, essentially an insurmountable lead, basically, with Barcelona. So I, I think that's kind of the thing I'm watching. They're kind of teetering a little bit. And I, I, wonder, I wonder if they're going to 
when they're going to sort of pull their shit together. They did beat Monaco earlier today in the Champions League, and Diego Costa did score. He had been kind of in a slump lately. Actually, Chris Ryan, you know, posed this question, I think, in our Slack. Maybe Who's, who is the, that? <laughs> <laughs> or dearly departed. Chris Ryan uh, posed this question in Slack. I think it was at the depths of the Jose whining United poor run of results uh, around that time. So I guess it was just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> but he asked or posited, you know, which what would happen if Jose Mourinho and Diego Simeone traded places? So Jose took over Atletico Madrid and Simeone took over Manchester United. Would that ultimately be better for both parties? Hmm. Um, I think it would be ultimately better for Manchester United if they sort of gave him the time needed. But I think the, if they just swapped right now and that was allowed, I think Mourinho actually does better because of what Simeone created in Atletico for Mourinho to take over while mm-hmm. Simeone it's would have to... Mourinho, it's a well, perfect Mourinho team. Yeah, Sim- Simeone would be left to pick up a lot of broken crockery. This is it's kind of a mismatch team. Yes. Like, it's... There's... It would be fascinating, actually, if that could happen. Yeah. You'd take that I think, deal. I, think, right I mean, now. like, I, w- I would take that deal. Yeah. I think Simeone has the personality and even the look, you might say, to be the manager at Old Trafford. But I, I think ultimately... The style of football he plays, it would draw some of the same ire that Mourinho's football has over the last few years. Well, it's kind of like his whole thing is an underdog style, basically. Right, and right. by virtue of the amount of money they have, Manchester United can't be an underdog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Atletico Madrid's been a shitload of money, too, though. That's true. I mean, obviously, compared to Barca and Real Madrid, not as much, but... That is true, and they are kind of like yeah. I mean, like they're they're bit now, they're underneath that top tier, but a cut above the one like that. You know, the I mean, like they're still apart from the rest of the table. Yeah, in terms of uh, like buying power, but they're not. In fact, the, the they have a higher squad above. value than PSG. Atletico Madrid does, based on this transfer market graphic I'm looking at. So you can fact check me, but 807 million euros is the value of their squad. Uh, versus 802 for PSG. I guess that's what happens when Lost DR and <laughs> Chupo Moting are like close enough to get playing time. <laughs> Those zeros really bring it down. They brought in Thomas Lamar over the summer. Who else? What else is new with uh, Rodri, this young center midfielder from uh, Villarreal? I mean, in keeping Griezmann over and Gabby's all these gone, seasons. who's kind of been there basically captain forever. and Right. He's like Gabby's like 14 years older than Rodri, who they used to replace him, which is just a wild thing. I think Lamar, Lamar has struggled a little bit. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure Simeone knows exactly how to use him. Yes, yeah, my breakout player from the World Cup. Who played? <laughs> It'll happen eventually. Meaningless match. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, looking at the rest of Europe, Bundesliga, Ligue 1. Anything, guys? What should we be following? I mean, Liga was a foregone conclusion. Bundesliga, not a whole lot of promising, you know, teams other than Bayern Munich. So that's pretty much over two. Yeah, Bayern. Bayern might. uh, Well, Pulisic is back. He he was hurt. Um, It was good to see him back. McKinney was hurt playing for the U.S., but he played full ninety today. So. 
Schalke hasn't won a game yet, or they've actually lost every game so far, um, other than the Champions League game today. Uh, so yeah, I mean, McKinney's looked good, getting a lot of playing time. Pulisic just hasn't really played much. So the Bundesliga is, uh, I would say, steadily dropping from the uh, initial or a year ago where we said that it's just the best league to watch a random game. <laughs> Because the games are all meaningless. You said that. You said that like last week. <laughs> you already off. Of well, it? we're only bi-weekly, so it's gonna be last week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Bundesliga is only actually what three matches in. It's surprising to see that Stuttgart, Schalke, and Leverkusen are the three teams in the relegation zone. Early days, obviously, but bottom of the table, Leverkusen. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. Two teams that thought or should theoretically be fighting for top four. European places are in the relegation zone, but it's it is only three games. But it's just Bayern is so much better than everyone else. It's turning into like a a PSG situation in the Bundesliga, where we can't say anything about Bayern until February at the earliest. Basically, I should mention actually that a Korean teenager made the Champions League squad for Bayern, John New Young, who's a, I mean, just from the three minutes of YouTube I've seen of him, is a tidy. I guess, central midfielder. So, good for him. Bully, born in 1999. The Korean Julian Green. One <laughs> 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 can only hope. Oh. I guess we should, uh, before we close, we should mention, first of all, how terribly wrong I was that Zlatan Jurovic would not break 10 goals in the MLS. In MLS, <laughs> I guess he has like, how many does he have? He has fucking like 17 goals already. But his last goal, I guess, was it? The, did I read that it, it was his five hundredth goal? It was his five hundredth goal in all in in all competitions. And there Describe is it, Micah. there is not slow motion. Like this is at the, Matt, our colleague Matt James had the best explanation of it was that there is not slow motion slow enough to to relive this goal because yeah. the ball comes in. On it was just a long ball over his shoulder into the box, and he turns around and Lou Kangs it into the into the near <laughs> post. Like I've Luke never Kang, seen like a it. finish like that, like just an axe kick on a full body turn. It was great. He also got into a little fight with Michael Bradley, which was which is really fun. It's delicious. <laughs> oh, that's right, because it was against Toronto. Yeah, he uh, said that Michael Bradley thinks that he's a philosopher of football, and then said. I have more goals than he has games. He should follow my rules. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, when did all these? When did all this dialogue take place after the game? Well, they were talking. They, they sort were of got into it on the field, field yeah. and then Zlatan said that after the game. It's great. It's good stuff. Good stuff all around. And from the, the Galaxy's not going to make the playoffs still. So it's tough. <laughs> I was just I was just bringing up the MLS table. So in the Eastern Conference, actually, I don't really know how the playoffs work. Uh, I don't know what, how many teams make it, but Atlanta is in top of the table for the Eastern Conference, followed by Red Bulls and NYCFC and Columbus. And then in the West, it's Kansas City, Dallas, uh, debutants, LAFC, and uh, Real Salt Lake. It looks like the Galaxy are in eighth place. So no, Zlatan is not going to win an MLS title this year, at least. It's a shame. Neither is Wayne Rooney, actually. It looks like DC United is in seventh place, but... He's been, you guys been he, watching? Shout out to him. He's been he's, way better than I yeah. expected. <laughs> he's, you know, he's been balling. Yeah. I, I mean, wait, where's Toronto? Oh, Toronto's shit this year as well. Yeah, they went from the best team in MLS history to not going to make the playoffs. Well, And they have, have you guys all the been, same players. How much MLS do you have you guys been watching? Seriously. Because Atlanta, I mean, I guess this is last year was not a fluke. 
And you mentioned, we talked about jokingly Joseph Martinez earlier, but I mean, this dude just can't stop scoring. I actually watch a decent amount if it's on. I'll just, uh, I'll leave it on, which is a ringing endorsement. <laughs> but I think Atlanta's really fun. And the, wow. and the thing about Red Bull, like they have a very, like they are a spiritual brother to like Red Bull RB, sorry, not Red Bull Leipzig, RB Leipzig and RB Salzburg. Like, they play a very similar vertical, packing-friendly, if I am allowed to say that, style. <laughs> if you're allowed to call back to yourself. So they, the, the, those two teams are actually very fun to watch, and I think if they match up in the playoffs, I'd recommend every listener to this podcast to watch. Much better endorsement than I'll leave it on if it's yeah, on. Yes, yeah, yes, 100%. Shout out to Matt James. <laughs> Shout out to Thursday Night Football, which that's Rebels. basically what the, what the tagline yeah. is. <laughs> uh, here's what we should say. I mean, obviously, I'm in New York. You guys are in L.A. But if LAFC make it far, you guys should go to a game. We should all go to a game. Maybe I'll fly out. Let's do a podcast from the stadium. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Why Carlos not? Vela. All right. Commit all right, to book it. it. It's a, yeah. I don't know how much your word means. I'll eat the boot there. I'll eat the boot <laughs> okay, there. okay. Okay, he said it, <laughs> listeners. I've just been going over the recipes and stuff, so I just want to make it like a true event. You You've know? been going over the recipes for, a, for a hot minute now. <laughs> I'm just saying. Holla at David Chang, man. We've been talking. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you as always for joining me, Micah and Ryan. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. We'll be back in two weeks. Until then, peace. Today's episode of Ringer FC was brought to you by Hotel Tonight. By showing you top-rated hotels with unsold rooms, Hotel Tonight makes it easy to book your stay at an amazing rate. And even though their name's Hotel Tonight, you can book way in advance. Perfect for spontaneous weekend getaways, three-day weekends, staycations, road trips, business trips, booking a place with a pool, and more. So, to start scoring amazing deals at incredible rates, go to hoteltonight.com or download the app now.